This program is made possible by BibleWayMedia.org, overseen by the Uloga Church of Christ in Uloga, Oklahoma. You're listening to Opening the Scriptures with Don Boyd. Today we're going to be looking at Daniel chapter 2, and that is Nebuchadnezzar's dream of the great image. Have you ever had a dream that woke you up in the middle of the night? You couldn't go back to sleep. You just laid there awake. Well, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon had such a dream. In the second year of his reign, he had a troubling dream that caused his sleep to leave him. First of all, we want to look at Nebuchadnezzar's dream and the command that he gave. And that is Daniel chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. First of all, we will look at the setting. And that is Daniel chapter 2, verse 1. It says, In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams wherewith his spirit was troubled, and his sleep brake from him. Nebuchadnezzar's dream was in the second year of his reign. That would be 603 or 604 B.C. When we look at the kings of Babylon, Nabopolassar was the first king of Babylon from 625 to 606. And then Nebuchadnezzar became king in 606 after the death of Nabopolassar. And he reigned until 561 B.C. Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylon that invaded Judah those three times in 606 B.C., 597 B.C., whenever Ezekiel was taken captive. Of course, 606, we're looking at Daniel being taken captive. And then in 586 B.C., when the city of Jerusalem was destroyed. It says his dream troubled him. The word troubled there means agitated. And we've seen in before studies that God used wicked men to show through dreams future events. You may recall in the book of Genesis, the baker and the butler in Egypt, and then Pharaoh in Egypt, and now Nebuchadnezzar. And in each case, a prophet of God was needed to interpret the dream. In Daniel chapter 2, Verses 2 and 3, we see the king's command. Daniel chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. It says, Then the king commanded to call the magicians and the astrologers and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans for to show the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. And the king said unto them, I have dreamed a dream, and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. Now there are various groups here that King Nebuchadnezzar called. The first is magicians. The word magicians there, according to Strong's in the Hebrew, means a horoscopist as drawing magical lines or circles. Another group he called was astrologers. Brown Driver Briggs says the Hebrew word translated Astrologers means necromancer, a conjurer, an astrologer, an enchanter or exorcist. Then he called also the sorcerers. Brown Driver Briggs says that Hebrew word means to practice witchcraft or sorcery 
to use witchcraft. And he also called the Chaldeans. The Chaldeans were the most distinguished class among the Babylonian wise men. They, devoted, they were devoted to the practice of occult arts and secret sciences. So these are the groups that King Nebuchadnezzar called for to tell him about the dream. In Daniel chapter 2 and verse 4, the Chaldeans requested that Nebuchadnezzar tell them the dream and then they would interpret it. Daniel chapter 2 verse 4. Then spake the Chaldeans to the king in Syriac, O king, live forever. Tell thy servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. Well, Nebuchadnezzar makes a reasonable request then of those that claim to have the power to interpret dreams. And that request is found in Daniel chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. Daniel 2, 5 and 6. And this is a request. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The thing is gone from me. If you will not make known unto me the dream with the interpretation thereof, ye shall be cut in pieces, and your houses shall be made a dunghill. But if you show the dream and the interpretation thereof, ye shall receive of me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore show me the dream and the interpretation thereof. So whenever we kind of confusing there, whenever you read the King James Version, it says, the thing is gone from me. What does he mean by that? Whenever you look in Daniel chapter 2, verse 5, in the New King James Version, it gives us <clears throat> the accuracy of what he's saying. He says, and this is again the New King James Version, my decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me and its interpretation, you shall be cut in pieces and your houses shall be made an ash heap. So whenever Nebuchadnezzar said, the thing is gone from me, he goes, that is what I said. Not that the dream had gone from him, but that is what Nebuchadnezzar said. His decision was firm. The literal translation of the Bible, also in Daniel chapter 2, verse 5. <clears throat> he says, The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word is certainly gone from me. That word, that command, that they show him the dream and the interpretation. And I'll continue reading there of the literal translation. If you will not make known the dream and its meaning to me, you will be made into mere members, and your houses shall be made an outhouse. So there, Nebuchadnezzar is telling those various groups there that they were to make known to him the dream, and that way he could know that they were telling the truth. Well, the Chaldeans showed their inability to do what they said they could do. And that is found in Daniel chapter 2, verses 7 through 9. Daniel 2, 7 through 9. They answered again and said, 
Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation of it. The king answered and said, I know of a certainty that ye would gain time, because ye see the thing is gone from me. My decision is firm. Verse 9. But if ye will not make known unto me the dream, there is but one decree for you, for ye have prepared lying and corrupt words to speak before me, till the time be changed. Therefore tell me the dream, and I shall know that ye can show me the interpretation thereof. That's just a reasonable request. If you're going to tell me that you can interpret the dream, you ought to be able to tell me the dream too. And they were in serious danger there if they could not tell him the interpretation. And in Daniel chapter 2, verses 10 to 13, we see Nebuchadnezzar's wrath. Daniel 2, verses 10 through 13. The Chaldeans answered before the king and said, There is not a man upon the earth that can show the king's matter. Therefore there is no king, lord, or ruler that asks such things of any magician or astrologer or Chaldean. They're going, this is a request that cannot be answered. And of course, by these mere men, no matter what they claim to know, they couldn't do it. Astrology, witchcraft, all those things, they're useless. They are useless. Verse 11, they continue to say, And it is a rare thing that the king requireth, and there is none other that can show it before the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not it with flesh. Of course, they believed in many different gods in the Babylonian Empire. But they're saying only the gods can show you that. Well, verse 12. For this cause the king was very was angry and very furious and commanded to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. Verse 13, And the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain. And they sought Daniel and his fellows to be slain because they were among the wise men. They would be among that group, but they were not with Nebuchadnezzar at this time. So Nebuchadnezzar was just going to kill all of them, the Chaldeans, the astrologers, the magicians, and witches, and all of them. In Psalm 137, look at verses 7 through 9. Psalm 137, 7 through 9. This gives us an example of Nebuchadnezzar's wrath. It says here, Remember, O Lord, the children of Edom in the day of Jerusalem, who said, Raise it, raise it even to the foundation thereof. In other words, burn it to the ground. Of course, those are the children of Edom. Now here is what the Babylonian army did in verse 8 and 9. Or verse 8. Yeah, and 9. O daughter of Babylon, who art to be destroyed... Happy shall he be that rewarded thee as thou hast served us. In other words, this is what is going to happen to you because this is what you did to us. 
And again, this shows Nebuchadnezzar's wrath. Verse 9. Happy shall he be that taketh and dasheth thy little ones against the stones. That gives an example of the horrible things the Babylonian army did. Apparently they took their little ones, their babies, and dashed them against the stones, whether the stones of the streets or the temples or whatever. So that shows how cruel Nebuchadnezzar was. But then in Daniel chapter 12, verses 14 through 16, we see Daniel's requests. First of all, Daniel's request of the king. Daniel 2, 14 to 16. Then Daniel answered with counsel and wisdom to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, which was gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, Why is the decree so hasty from the king? Then Arioch made the thing known to Daniel. Then Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time and that he would show the king the interpretation. So Daniel now made this request of the king. Give me a little time and I'll show it to you. And then Daniel made a request of God in Daniel 2, 17 and 18. Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So he made the request of the king. Now he's making the request of God, but also with his three companions. The first thing that Daniel did, though, whenever he was going to make this request of God, in verses 19 to 23, Daniel praised God. Daniel 2, 19 to 23. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his, and he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. Now verse 23, I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, who has given me wisdom and might, and has made known unto me now what we desired of thee, for thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. That shows right there great faith on the part of Daniel. We need to have that same great faith for God. Daniel went in prayer to God and asking him to do that for him. Of course, today there are no miracles that take place. We know that from 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and other passages as well. But God does answer prayer, and he will answer prayer, maybe not in the way that we want, but in the way that is best. 
you'll notice that sometimes God will answer no. Whenever Jesus prayed in the garden, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. God said no, it cannot. Sometimes God tells us yes. He says yes, you can have that. Other times he says yes, I will give you that and more, as he did with Solomon. When Solomon prayed for wisdom, God gave him much more than just wisdom. Sometimes God says, I'm going to give you something different. Like the Apostle Paul, whenever he prayed three times to have that thorn in the flesh removed, God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. He goes, no, I'm not going to take it away, but you have my grace. So God will answer our prayers. It may not be in the way that we want, but we need to pray as Jesus did, thy will be done, and let God do what is best for us. In Daniel chapter 2 verses 24 through 30, we see Daniel's humility before Nebuchadnezzar. Now remember, Nebuchadnezzar is the king. Nebuchadnezzar is the one that took Daniel into captivity. Nebuchadnezzar is the one who was so cruel in the way that he did or the things that he did whenever they conquered the city of Jerusalem. Nebuchadnezzar had just threatened to kill all the wise men. But Daniel is humble before him. Daniel 2, 24 through 30. Therefore Daniel went in unto Arioch, whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus unto him, Destroy not the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show unto the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste, and said thus unto him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah that will make known unto the king the interpretation. Verse 26. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded, cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king? Verse 28. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets, and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Thy dream and the vision upon thy head, upon thy, or of thy head upon thy bed, are these. Now before we read verse 29, Daniel is here showing Nebuchadnezzar there is a God. And you notice a God, not many gods. There is the God of heaven who will make known these things. So Daniel is here giving credit to God. Daniel is not taking the credit for himself. Now let's read verse 29. As for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed. What should come to pass hereafter? And he that revealeth secrets maketh known to thee what shall come to pass. 
In other words, King Nebuchadnezzar, God is showing you the future. God is showing you the things that are going to happen. And we're looking here at about 6, what, 86 B.C., or, you know, a few years after that, maybe. And he's saying, I'm going to show you, God is going to show you things that are going to happen from now for the next 6, 7, 800, 900 years. Verse 30. But as for me, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any living, but for their sakes that shall make known the interpretation to the king that thou mightest know the thoughts of thy heart. So right there, Daniel says, I am no different from anybody else, but God is going to make these things known. Daniel prayed to God. God did it. You remember Elijah prayed. He prayed that it wouldn't rain for three years, and it didn't. Then, then after three years, he prayed, and it rained. You know, God does answer prayer, as we said a while ago. Again, there are no miracles taking place today. But God, through his providence, will answer our prayers. In Daniel chapter 2, verses 31 through 45, Daniel interprets or tells the dream and then interprets the dream. Daniel 2, 31 to 45. He says, Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. This image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass. Verse 33. His legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay and brake them to pieces. Verse 35. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Verse 36, this is the dream. And we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. So here Daniel says, this is what the dream was. And now, I'm going to tell you what it means. Of course, God is the one who gave Daniel that ability. Verse 37. Thou, O king, art a king of kings. For the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power and strength and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven, hath he given into thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. 
So Daniel begins the interpretation. He's showing Nebuchadnezzar everything that God has done for Nebuchadnezzar. He's using Nebuchadnezzar to do these things, but God is the one who's doing it for him. And he said, that head of gold you saw on that great image, that's you. That's you. Now verse 39. And after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, and another, the third kingdom of brass, which shall rule over all the earth. So he's saying, Nebuchadnezzar, you are the world power right now. But after you, there's going to be another world power. It's going to be inferior, just as silver is inferior to gold. But it's going to be the next world power. And then after that world power, there's going to be another world power. It's going to be inferior to it as well, it being of brass. But there's going to be another world power that's going to rule over all the earth. Now verse 40. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron. For as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these, shall it break in pieces and bruise. So this fourth world power, it will be strong as iron. But verse 41 shows there's weakness in it. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. But there shall be in it of the strength of iron. For as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay. Iron and, and clay don't mix. So there's weakness. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. Now verse 43. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, as iron is not mixed with clay. So there's this strong as iron kingdom but there's no cohesion there with the clay and the iron. And miry there just means common clay. So here we have four world kingdoms. He tells Nebuchadnezzar he's the first one. Then there's going to be one inferior to him, one inferior to that kingdom, and then another kingdom, this fourth kingdom. Now in verse 44, it says, in the days of these kings, in the days of that fourth kingdom, and there's going to be more than one king in it, the plural there, shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom. So in the fourth world power, God was going to set up a kingdom, which shall never be destroyed. Those first four kingdoms would be destroyed the kingdom that God would set up in the, in the days of those fourth, fourth kingdom would never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. You know, whenever whoever conquered the Babylonians, well, the Babylonian kingdom was left to them. Whoever conquered that second kingdom, the third kingdom conquered. 
and it was left to them, and such with the fourth kingdom. But the one that God sets up, not going to be left to others. Continue reading in verse 44. But it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. So in other words, the kingdom of God is going to break in pieces all the kingdoms of the earth. <coughs> now verse 45. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God of heaven, of the great God, excuse me, hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain, and the interpretation there, sure. What we have that then in these kingdoms is progressive inferiority until we come to the kingdom of God. All right, Nebuchadnezzar's dream. The head of gold is Babylon. The Babylonian Empire existed from 626 to 539 B.C. when the Medo-Persians conquered Babylon. The breast and arms of silver would be the Medo-Persian Empire. Now it is inferior silver, inferior to gold, because silver tarnishes and gold does not. The Medo-Persian Empire conquered Babylon in 539 B.C., and it lasted until it was conquered in 332 B.C. And that's the belly and thighs of brass. That's the Grecian Empire under Alexander the Great. He conquered the Medo-Persian Empire in 332 B.C. And it lasted until it was mostly conquered in 63 B.C. The legs and feet, part of iron and part of common clay. In 63 B.C., the Roman Empire conquered the Grecian Empire and much of the world from 63 B.C. until A.D. 476. That's the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire is said to have had been iron, strength of iron, strength to crush a strong kingdom. But it was iron mixed with clay. The kingdom would be composite or diverse. It, it, much diversity was in the Roman Empire. Kyle and Delich in their commentary stated this about verse 43. The figure of a mixing by seed is derived from the sowing of the field with mingled seed and denotes all the means employed by the rulers to combine the different nationalities. They tried to combine them, but that mixing together failed, and the Roman Empire was conquered. That mixing together failed. Now we saw a stone cut without hands. The kingdom set up by the God of heaven during the reign of that fourth kingdom, that stone, and that kingdom is a kingdom, the kingdom that God set up is a kingdom that will abide forever. So we ask the question, what is the kingdom? What is that kingdom 
that is talked about there in Daniel chapter 2. When we go to Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, we see there that John the baptizer taught that the kingdom is coming. Matthew 3, 1 and 2. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom that God would set up, that Daniel talked about, it's near. It's coming. Jesus taught the very same thing. The kingdom is coming. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Again, that kingdom that Daniel talked about is at hand. It is coming. That's Matthew 4, 17. In Matthew 6, 10, where Jesus taught the disciples how to pray, Matthew 6.10, he taught the kingdom is coming. He says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So the kingdom is coming. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 7, Jesus instructed his disciples as they went about, this is what they were to say. As ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom is coming. That's Matthew 10, 7. In Matthew 16, verses 13 through 19, Jesus is here asking his disciples some questions. Matthew 16, 13 to 19, and you'll notice that the theme here is the kingdom is coming. Verse 13, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, or some Jeremiah, Elias there being Elijah, or one of the prophets. Verse 15, <clears throat> he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock will I build my church. The word Peter there being Petros, which means a small stone. The word rock there being Petra, which means a large foundation stone. He goes, you're Peter, you're just a little stone. But upon this large foundation stone, this confession that you just made, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that is the foundation upon which Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Now notice verse 19. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom is still coming. And Peter, I'm going to give you the means of entrance into the kingdom. 
the means of entrance. And then continuing in verse 19, Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. You looked at the correct grammar on those verses. In the Greek it says, Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall have already been bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall have already been loosed in heaven. But again, back to our point, the kingdom is coming. Now, we get to Acts chapter 2, verse 47, the kingdom has come. Acts 2, 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. The church is the kingdom that God set up, that destroyed all those nations, that went throughout all those nations. Some are going to say, no, 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 no. The church, the church was plan B. No, it was plan B. The kingdom hadn't come yet. But notice, the kingdom has come. Colossians 1.13 Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath delivered us into the kingdom of his dear son. The kingdom was there. What was the kingdom of his dear son? Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church. He goes, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom, the church and the kingdom, synonymous Jesus built his church. His church is his kingdom. And those that are become members of Christ's church have been translated <coughs> into his kingdom. Colossians 1.13. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 28. The kingdom has come. Wherefore we receiving a kingdom. It's here. Which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Revelation 1.9, the kingdom has come. Revelation 1.9, I, John, who am also your brother and companion and in tribulation and in the kingdom. John was in the kingdom. It was already here. And patience of Jesus Christ. He is in the kingdom of Jesus Christ, which is the church of Jesus Christ. said, I was in the Isle of called Patmos for the word of God, for the testimony of Jesus Christ. And the kingdom, the church, will be delivered up to the Father at the second coming of Christ. Jesus is not coming back to establish a kingdom. He's already done that. Whenever he come back, he's going to deliver the kingdom to the Father. 1 Corinthians 15, 24 to 26. It says, Then cometh the end, the end of the world, the end of time, when he, that being Christ, shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. So when Christ comes back, he's going to deliver the kingdom to the Father. Verse 25, For he must reign, He's reigning now over his kingdom at the right hand of God. Verse 25 again, For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet, and the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. When is death destroyed? 
Death is destroyed at the resurrection. When we are raised from the dead, death is destroyed. That is when Christ will deliver up the kingdom to God. When death is destroyed on the day of resurrection, so Christ is now reigning over his kingdom, the church. So God allowed Nebuchadnezzar to see what would happen over the next 600 or so years. What a blessing that would have been for Nebuchadnezzar to see those things. Now, in Daniel 2, verses 46 through 49, we see the reaction of Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel 2, 46 through 49. It says, Then the king Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and worshipped Daniel, and commanded that they should offer an oblation and sweet odors unto him. The king answered unto Daniel and said, Of a truth it is that your God is the God of gods, and a Lord of kings, and a revealer of secrets, seeing thou couldest reveal the secret. Right there, Daniel proved to Nebuchadnezzar who God is. Nebuchadnezzar didn't really get it yet. He will. He didn't really get it yet, though, but he understood that Daniel's God was a powerful God. And Daniel made it clear to him, remember, that God is the one who could do these things, not Daniel. Verse 48. Then the king made Daniel a great man and gave him many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief of the governors over all the wise men of Babylon. Verse 49. Then Daniel requested of the king and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon, but Daniel sat in the gate of the king. Now let's go back. You know, it says the king worshipped Daniel. Barnes says this in his commentary, and I quote, The word rendered worshipped here Sigid, S-E-G-I-D, in the Chaldee portions of the Bible is uniformly rendered worship. It occurs nowhere else, and he gives a list of these places, Daniel 2.26, Daniel 3.5-7, Daniel 3.10-12, Daniel 3.14-15, and 15, Daniel 3.18, and Daniel 3.28. He said it occurs nowhere else and in every instance except with the one before us is employed with reference to the homage paid to an idol. All the other cases occurring in the third chapter respecting the image that Nebuchadnezzar set up. The word corresponding Hebrew, the Hebrew word, S-A-G-A-D, occurs only in Isaiah 44.15, Isaiah 44.17, 44.19, and Isaiah 46.6, and is in every instance rendered fall down, also referenced to idols. 
The proper idea, therefore, of Nebuchadnezzar falling down, worshiping Daniel. The proper idea, therefore, of the word here is that the monarch meant to render religious homage to Daniel or such adorations as was usually paid to idols. That's what he's talking about there. So we see from what we read here in Daniel chapter 2. God blesses those that trust him. You ever thought about that? You know, that, that, that little song that we sing so often, trust and obey. We go back and look at Daniel chapter 1. Daniel trusted God. Daniel would not defile himself with the king's wine and meat. Daniel wouldn't do it. Daniel was obedient to God. Here in this instance, Daniel trusted God to allow him to know Nebuchadnezzar's dream and interpretation. And Daniel was obedient. And Daniel said, only God can do that. No man can do that. Only God. A second thing we see is we see proof for the inspiration of the Bible. God speaks of things to come as though they had already happened. God sees those things. In Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, this is the American Standard Version rendering. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, that he might redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. See, that brings it all together. God is working through history to bring about the time of the coming of his son. And God worked that. When the fullness of time came, when the world was ready, when everything in God's plan was now set for him to bring his son to the world, that's when he came. And we'll notice that Jesus Christ was born under the law. He was born under the law of Moses. He is the only one that ever kept the law perfectly. He kept it perfectly. He might redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. So we see again, the book of Daniel is a thrilling book to look through, to study through, to see the things that God does, to see the things that God is able to do, and that we need to trust and obey God, just like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. God will bless those that trust him. Doesn't mean we're going to have an easy life here, but it means that we will be eternally blessed whenever we hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of thy Lord. And he talks about the place that has been prepared for us from the foundation of the world. Nebuchadnezzar's dream of the great image 
what a great prophecy when we look at it and we see the church the coming of the church Christ's kingdom the kingdom of God here upon this earth when you're in Moody Missouri you're invited to visit the Moody Church of Christ located on Highway E in Moody Missouri the congregation there meets on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Bible class, 11 a.m. for worship, and then again at 6 p.m. for Sunday evening worship. They also meet at 6 p.m. on Wednesday night for Bible study. We hope you enjoyed this program. You can find out more about Bible Wave Media by visiting us at BibleWaveMedia.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We thank you for listening.